0: Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, where we continue to preview each and every one of the 357 Division I basketball teams. I am your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter, at RandallRant. And today we head down to Nebraska, where we're going to talk about Creighton basketball with John Nyatawa from the Omaha World Herald. He's going to come in, give us the inside scoop on the Creighton Blue Jays, who play fast, furious, and win an awful lot of games how they look this coming year, the projections, and how he thinks Creighton is going to do. Please follow him on Twitter at John Nyatawa, J-O-N-N-Y-A-T-A-W A. John, we appreciate you stopping by here on our train as we preview and get ready for the college basketball season. How you doing?
1: Man, I'm doing good. Like each day we get closer and I get more excited. I feel like it's gonna feel I hope anyway, that's gonna feel a little bit like a more normal season. And so that gets me pumped, and I don't know, just ready for basketball every year. I feel like around this time, I start getting a little antsy because I I just want to see games. So we're still a little bit away from that, but uh, we're getting closer, so I'm happy about it.
0: And listen, Creighton has been a national team. It has national appeal here coming out of Nebraska, and they are coming off, John, a fantastic season. Saw them go 22-9 and overall at the end. They earned a five-seed in the tournament, played so well in the Big East Conference. Talk about Creighton this past year. They seemed to navigate COVID pretty well. Some teams did, some teams didn't. So just give us a recap of this past season and how everything went, and what was probably the most bizarre year the Blue Jays going to have in quite some time.
1: Yeah, I mean it was tough, and I don't think any player or coach would sh- sugarcoat that for you. Like I think that there were a lot of challenging moments, and obviously at Creighton in particular, it, it was it was a tough year. But but they got to the the finish line. Um, intact, and they were able to make a run in the NCAA tournament, which was their goal all along. Creighton hadn't been to the Sweet Sixteen since 1974, so everyone who was involved with the program over the last few years, has it's kind of risen and ascended uh, along the within the national hierarchy in the sport, like that's been a talking point. It's been a goal. So these guys came here with that in mind, and and hoping, and and working toward that, and they got there. So I think. Ultimately, no matter what they had to go through to get there, I think they were pretty pleased and, and they could feel gratified afterward, the players could, that they that they got there. So, yeah, they were in the top 25 all year. That never happened in program history. Um, they were in contention for a Big East championship, lost out um, on that, but they made that NCAA tournament run, and that's kind of what mattered the most to that group, a veteran group of guys that played a lot of basketball together and, and made it fun to watch because as, as Creighton is known for its space and pace and pushing and tempo and, and putting up points and sharing the basketball, uh, they played really well together for two years, really. Uh, the year before that, the season was canceled due to COVID, but Creighton won a share of the Big East Championship and was in position to earn a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament before uh, COVID canceled it. So they really had a two-year stretch, and it was the same like nucleus of players um, where they had Um, A lot of success. And so now they're going to have to try to reload a bit, but uh, they hope that um, they can build off some of the momentum they've gained over the last two years.
0: What I'm always impressed, John, with Creighton is they have such a, a, a team feel. They really do work together. I have to ask you about this. Of course, not only did they battle COVID, but they battled some of the issues that occurred off the court, like the issue with Coach McDermott there where he was suspended The team rallied. They came back together. They beat UC Santa Barbara in a really close game in the tournament. They then beat an Ohio team that was absolutely a pain to the teams they were played. Did well there, and then they tried to hang with Gonzaga, which for the most part was the best team in the country for almost the entire season. Was there any fallout from that? I mean, it, it seemed we're here in New Jersey that they got through it. They recovered. You know, obviously coach apologized for his comments but they seemed to, to move past that. Was was that the case? Because on the outside, that could have derailed a lot of seasons. It really could have.
1: Yeah, yeah. Greg McDermott, it was after a loss to Xavier in, at the end of February, compared his program to a plantation during uh, comments made in the locker room to his team. And, uh, it. I mean, man, what was the fallout? I, like it was, it was difficult for everyone involved, all the players and, and coaches. They just had to have a lot of – tough conversations, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was an emotional time and the players were certainly hurt by it. They had, they expressed that. And, and coach McDermott also expressed that that was kind of, you know, what hit him and maybe, you know, hit his heart the most was just seeing the pain in his player's eyes. Once he realized, you know, how they, what, you know, what they'd heard and how they perceived it. And, um, and so, yeah, they had to, they they had to really come together as a group. And I, I talking to a few of the leaders after they made made it to the Sweet Sixteen, it seemed like one of the things that they talked about together as a team was like, you know, we'd worked for. This is a group of seniors and juniors, guys that have been together for, like I said, two or three years, and their thought was like, we don't want it to end with this being the story. You know, this what happened to the. 2021 jays well the mcdermott comments like they didn't want that to be tied to to their legacy they wanted to make all that work that they had put in um mean something and so they were they kind of I, I It feels weird to say compartmentalized, but that's kind of it kind of feels like that's what they did i don't know if they any of those guys used that word in particular but like they sort of said like we're gonna deal with the um you know this relationship that we have with Coach McDermott needs work, and we and we have to um, find a way to come together and and work with him and and understand what what needs what steps need to be taken forward so we can grow. But on the other hand, we have a basketball goal and and we have a, a job on the court that we want to accomplish or we want to do. So they were able to do both, I guess. Um, and maybe focus more on the basketball side of things as, as March unfolded. And so they, yeah, they were able to make a deep run, but it, it didn't come without it's like, you know, at, at times you could tell it was wearing on them. And, and so they had to find a way to, to work together as a group to do it. So yeah, you commend them for it because obviously it was not an easy, a, a, an easy time, an easy few weeks for, for creating players. And, and even as coach McDermott said during that, it was like, you know, this isn't, a a topic. It's not a, it's not a conversation that has to end at the end of the season. Like we we need to keep talking about it. And I want to keep talking about it with my team um, over the course of the next few months and maybe even years, you know? So um, it's a societal issue. Obviously that's, that's like the core of it. And so it, it, it is a pretty deep conversation that has to be had. And it's hard to do that when you're trying to win basketball games, uh, but the Jays were able to do it at, at least well enough to get to the Sweet 16. So, they, yeah, you commend them for that.
0: Absolutely. And they lose their top five scores from last season. And that's a lot of veteran leadership, a team that was able, like you said, to come together and say that they don't want this particular incident, you know, albeit terrible, to define what they've done. And if you look at their on-the-court actions, this team has won 20 games every single year since 2014-2015. It's been quite a run for Creighton. And before we get to the new kids coming in, which are substantial, let's talk about the players who left. Five scores. We're talking about losing seventy nine percent of their points, sixty three percent of their rebounds, and seventy six percent of their assists from last year. It was a special group, John, for the Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, you said it. The production kind of speaks for itself, um, and they were really good leaders, as we've kind of discussed. Um, three se- Marcus Sigorowski was a junior. He left for the pros and got drafted. Mm-hmm. Three seniors: Mitch Ballock, Denzel Mahoney, Damian Jefferson uh, were really uh, important pieces to the, what the Creighton wanted to do, recruited specifically to play that system and they they thrived in it. And then Christian Bishop transferred to Texas. He was kind of their small ball five, yep. undersized big man, but really versatile. Like he he could hold his own inside, but he also was a a matchup nightmare because of what he could do ball handling on the perimeter. They could play a little five out offense with him. And uh, even in one-on-one post-up situations, he was you know pretty deadly, he ran the floor really well, uh, improved his ability to protect the rim. So don't miss all those guys. And it, it is a complete sort of uh, reconfiguration from a personnel standpoint for Creighton going into next season. And it's why a lot of people don't expect a lot of the Jays. And why would you? Because it's just so many unknowns and uncertainties. And this team, this program, when it's been at its best, a lot of times, one of the Sort of like defining traits of those teams has been continuity and experience, and so they're not going to have either of those things this year. And so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, work together and and how they find a way to get wins because it's uh it's going to be almost a brand new rotation.
0: Yeah, they return a couple of veterans here. We're talking about Ryan Kaufbrenner; he's the returning scorer and rebounder. Sharif Mitchell appeared in thirty games, but only a small contribution. And I guess Alex O'Connell, who didn't come in and make as big an impact as maybe people thought, that's a decent group. But I think really, John, the, the major impact is going to come from the freshmen. Per 24/7 Sports, Creighton has the number one recruiting class coming in in the Big East, number seven overall nationally. So what Greg McDermott has been able to do is he certainly has a style. It's exciting. It's a it's a brand in Creighton. And you have some players returning, those veterans, who I think will provide leadership. But you really have a great class coming in, freshman class, that I think can make an impact, not only this coming year, later in the year when they gel, but also in the immediate future, next couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really exciting group. It's the best recruiting class in at least recent history for Creighton since the online recruiting era um, has been around. They, They recruited uh, really well capitalized on the success of the last two years and sold an opportunity to play right away for a lot of those guys or at least to, the potential of getting to contribute right away because five starters left. So it's pretty obvious. Yeah. You want to play for a big-time program in and, and a good league uh, in a system that's really appealing, here's your opportunity. So they got guys to buy into that and, and some really talented pieces. And while I do agree that you know they're going to need two, three, four of them to play well this year, you know, looking at maybe an Arthur Kaluma, who is a really versatile wing uh, that that's he's got size, he's got good rebounding instincts, he can be you one on one. He's the highest ranked recruit in Creighton history, at least recent history. Um, he's a guy that I'm sure people will pinpoint or look at uh, Ryan Nembhard, uh a guard out of well, he's originally from Canada, played at Montverde Academy, heady point guard. Perfect for a Creighton system. He excelled on the international stage for the for Canada's U nineteen team. Uh, he's one. I mean, you can go down the line. Mason Miller and Trey Alexander are both really dynamic players. Top one hundred kids. Like they, you know that they they certainly have the potential. And, and as you mentioned, the growth of this class together is really appealing. But. I kind of look at the veterans because I feel like in college basketball, uh, teams that have success have really good veteran impact. And whether, and maybe it doesn't always mean that those guys are the leading scorers, but they're consistent and they're the ones that are delivering on uh, the regular basis if the team's in a funk or they're, they're, uh, On the brink of of going on, or the opponents on the brink of going on a run, you're in a hostile environment, facing some adversity. The leaders are the 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 veterans are usually the ones that step up and make the big time plays. So, how much improvement can a Ryan Culperner make, freshman to sophomore year, um, as a big man inside? That's something I'll be looking at. Sharif Mitchell, you mentioned, um, he was kind of their defensive stopper last year pretty specialized role well now can he sort of expand his uh his impact and, and do different things and Alex O'Connell he kind of came in he wasn't planning on playing last year but then the, the 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 NCAA said hey everyone can use their year of eligibility and it doesn't count against them so he joined mid mid-season and it was kind of like the, the the team was already in its groove it already found its flow and then here comes Alex O'Connell trying to fit in but now he has a whole off-season how much improvement can he make um and they added two senior grad transfers uh kind of like three four they're like four or five men i would say that uh, ryan hawkins is a, a d2 star basically from northwest missouri state and Keyshawn fiesel played at mississippi or started his career at mississippi state then went to mcneese state um can those guys help i, I i'm excited about watching freshmen i always am but you know that they're going to be up and down because they've never been through it before. And they're just going to have to learn. And there's going to be growing pains Uh, for Creighton to get where it wants to go. go, I think the veterans are really going to have to step up, especially in key moments uh, of tension and and high pressure and and adversity. Um, So how consistent can they be? How much improvement can they make? That's, uh, we don't know. We don't know. You never know from a year to year standpoint for some of these players. So um, especially a guy like Ryan Kaufmaner, who, and really, all of them—they just played sp- so sparingly that now they're in a featured role. Uh, maybe they, maybe they can take a big jump. So we'll see.
0: You know what I noticed, John? And this is a credit to the Creighton program. Arthur Kaluma from Arizona. Ryan Nemhart, brother of Andrew Nemhart, who's starring at Gonzaga, was starting at, at Florida as well. From Florida, uh, Mason Miller, Tennessee. Trey Alexander, Oklahoma. Uh, John D. Christophilis from Washington. You talked about Ryan Hawkins they're recruiting from across the country. And I don't think Creighton is gonna be at such a disadvantage of other teams because the transfer portal has brought so many different players to a variety of teams that this element of having players blend and learn the system has to happen across the board. So I think in a normal year, having this many new players with some veterans could be a challenge or disadvantage. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Obviously, in the big issue, talking about Villanova, who's bringing all their players back. But I wouldn't be surprised if this team with this talent can blend pretty quickly. And they have a style, of course, that's dangerous against everybody, no matter how high high they're ranked.
1: Right. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that yet, about just the high transfer rates um, and, and just the kind of the shakeup, the roster shakeup, maybe more so than normal. And so that a lot of teams across the country – are dealing with transition and and are having to blend in new pieces and wild talented pieces certainly at some spots but yeah it's it's happening more and more and so the only difference is Creighton's probably going to have a few more freshmen yeah <laughs> I yeah. didn't even mention a couple other redshirting guys uh, two international players uh, Modestus Kanchleris and Rati Andronikashvili uh, they were slated to play last year but both suffered ACL injuries so they didn't play at all. Uh, they have a chance to factor in their, into the rotation. I think Rati Andronikash really had, he was, it, it kind of looked like he had impressed enough in training camp last year to where he had, you know, maybe the ninth or 10th man in the rotation potentially his first year, but then he got hurt. So um, we'll see if they can make an impact. Yeah. That. But your point about every team having to do some sort most teams like Villanova, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous that (laughs) Phil Nova's good every year, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just all come back.
0: all come back, uh,
1: yeah. um, But, yeah, so that that every team has to do some sort of transition. Creighton's maybe not in the minority here, but uh, um, the challenge is still significant, so we'll see how they handle it.
0: John, you're tied in, of course, to everything Creighton. Thoughts on the non-conference? I'm not sure if it's finalized or it's close to being finalized. But we're used to seeing Creighton in some great non-conference games. Last year, that Kansas game was fantastic on Tuesday, December 8th, lost by one away. So uh, it was shorter last year, of course, only only five games before they got into the regular season. But what is Creighton looking at this year with a lot of turnover? What's the non-conference look like for the Blue Jays?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit easier to navigate, potentially. I mean, we'll see how they handle it and how, how some of their opponents do. But in the last couple of years, Creighton's really tried to schedule... Some tough games um, to to challenge it's, itself and you know prepare for the Big East, but also just from an, a, an exposure standpoint. You mentioned the Creighton Kansas. I mean, a lot of people watch that game. Um, it was it was part of the Big East Big Twelve battle, but that that's what this you know pr- this program's kind of reached a level now um, to where you can maybe you, you you take on a few more losses in non conference than maybe you used to, but. The potential impact of having people tune in for your games, um, or just giving the players the opportunity, the experience of going different places to play. You know, to play at Allen Fieldhouse is a pretty cool thing to to put on your, to, you know, to add to your memory bank if you're a college player. And you can sell that stuff in recruiting. Creighton's going to go to the Maui Invitational uh, next year, not this year, but next year. And so that's something that I think they sell in recruiting too. But uh, so yeah, the non conference schedule may be a little bit. Um, uh, it's not as difficult maybe as has been the last couple of years, but there's still some good games. I mean, they're going to play BYU in a neutral site game. Um, they've got Arizona State coming to Omaha, Iowa State's coming to Omaha. There's a, a a game that's always has a lot of intrigue here locally with Creighton and Nebraska. That those two teams play every year, and it's one of the I think it's one of the more underrated sort of uh, college basketball rivalry games. Absolutely, but yep, it's it's I mean. It's kind of understandable why it's underrated because neither team has done a lot on the on the national stage. But you're talking about two really good fan bases that um, like to support their teams, and so they to see the, when those teams go at it, the the, the internet traffic and, and chatter regarding the game, and then on site the atmosphere is always really electric. So um, we'll see. They got a tournament uh, that that they're in. I think they have a potential to play. Colorado, perhaps if they if both teams win their games, and that could be a really fun um, early season matchup. So there's some chances for them to get tested for sure. But it's also, as you can see with a with a new team, with a young team, like you can see, oh well, here's a chance for Creighton to sort of ease its way into the season, so to speak. Uh, to maybe you know that there's going to be some moments where they're dealing with growing pains, but maybe they can still work through. Uh, work through those and get a win over, I don't know, an Arkansas state versus having to play, um, you know, somebody a little bit more elite. So we'll see. Again, we'll see. They got to win those games. It doesn't matter who they're, who they're playing, but, but I think it, I think it is something that they could use to sort of build their way into the season. And once they get in the big East play, maybe be uh, uh better prepared for it.
0: John, we live here at Screen the Screener for some of these under-the-radar rivalries. I just previewed Sacred Heart and Bryant in the NEC. People mm. don't realize how intense that one is, and you're absolutely right. Creighton, Nebraska, I've had the opportunity to watch it several times. That is an intense atmosphere, so it's a great call there. It's something that people have to understand. This this is what we live for at college basketball, to have those moments, especially early in the season, because everybody jumps on board during the tournament season, yeah. but to have that intensity early is is fantastic. Unless you got
1: you got to get out and experience it man because it's it's like it <laughs> I talked to some great fans who went down there to Lincoln a couple of years ago and they're like wow this was a this was another level so uh, that's where they're gonna play this year in Lincoln and uh and you know Fred Horberg's got those guys going they're, they're gonna obviously try to improve so it should be a lot of fun by the way I just want to self-correct they got Arkansas Pine Bluff on the schedule, not Arkansas. Pine Bluff.
0: Okay. Got
1: so, it. Got uh, it. <laughs> I don't know if there's any Red Bulls fans listening. Don't worry, you, got, <laughs> you don't have to go to Creighton. To play. Uh, Pine Bluff's coming up here. So,
0: listen, if I hit the lottery, we're going on a tour. All, all if I hit the lottery, we're going to tour all these robberies across the country. I absolutely have Creighton, Nebraska, at the, at the top of the list. I was curious what
1: else, what else you got on there. What what other names come to mind or what other rivalries
0: you know some of the 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 beauty is finding out these these ones that no one knows about i mean we had xavier cincinnati of course is legendary i mean even where i went to school like a boston college umass people don't understand that that game can get very very intense it's where you know you think about it you say wait a minute you know they just played a football game this past weekend quarterback got knocked out all of a sudden the game's close you know that's when it really gets special it's 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 incredible Listen, man, you've been you've been great. I mean, you gave us so much time, great information. I have to ask you one more, then I'll get you out of here. Sure. Yeah. So wh- what are the Creighton fans looking for this year? Are, is it pretty much? Listen, we've been a dominant program now for several years. We understand it's rebuilding. You know, maybe they're looking at a semifinal of the Big East tournament. Like, what would be the barometer here where you'd say, you know what, that was a pretty darn good season for the Blue Jays?
1: Well, I first and foremost, I think there there is a lot of intrigue and optimism. Just because of you know, there's some hype. I mean, the recruiting class was a top ten recruiting class, and we've talked about some of the new new pieces. I I think they, I'm guessing that Creighton fans want to have some fun with this group. I mean, there's some really good athletes, some good personalities. Um, I think that they'll be really entertaining to watch, and I think they'll I think the fans will be uh, they'll go in with a little bit of understanding, knowing that there might be uh, some moments where you're shaking your head as you leave the arena, like how did they drop that game or what was so-and-so thinking on that play? Um, but in the end, I think if they see improvement, like one of the things about Creighton um, over the years under the Greg McDermott is they, they have gotten better as the year has gone on, uh, those teams. So I think back at the 2018-2019 team, uh, that was a year that some of the guys that left the program this last season, they, they were freshmen and sophomores. Um, so we're talking three years ago. And that team... Really struggled in close game situations, you know, lost a lot of heartbreakers, um, was sort of on the brink of, well, what kind of season is it going to be? And they found something at the end, won five in a row, um, nearly worked themselves into the NCAA tournament. Certainly were in the conversation, but they missed out on a bid and had to go to the NIT. But you saw in those final, you know, four weeks or so, like, hey, this is what this young group is going to be or, like, the, these are the signs of what they can uh, become. So I think fans will probably remember and, and think about that, and, and they'll probably want to see signs of the groundwork being laid, is my guess. Now, they, they want to make the NCAA tournament, like you said. It would be great to have a deep run in the Big East tournament. Uh, they want their fans. Everyone wants to win. The players do, too. So um, they, I, I would imagine if you talk to players, like, they're not going to settle for that. They don't want to be just – be known as this team that lays the groundwork they they want to win and and make a deep run in march but uh i think from you know just the outside looking in i would imagine that that fans would be pleased just to see some improvement as the year goes on some cool dunks some awesome three-pointers and and some really exhilarating runs and, and some a couple big wins but uh maybe beating nebraska as well that always feels good for Creighton fans i think but uh i think just generally Improvement and signs of like, okay, we see what, they, what they're what they capable of accomplishing. And, and and next year, when they've got some experience under the belt, they can really take off.
0: Folks, Creighton has a brand of basketball that's national. It's exciting. Everyone watches. And it's, it's something you're going to sit down, get your popcorn ready. You'll love it. So certainly we expect them to come together under Greg McDermott and be a tough team once we get to the end of the year, for sure. Laying the groundwork for yet another run of 20-plus wins each and every year. John Nayatawa, everyone, Omaha World Herald. Check him out on Twitter at John Does fantastic work, work there for Omaha World Herald. Gave us a few minutes here, more than a few minutes on Creighton. John, thank you so much for joining us on our preview train. I don't know what the next stop is, but we're going to keep going, and we love to check back in with you during the season here to see how Creighton's progressing in the Big East.
1: Perfect. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you.